Welcome back to another edition of the Half Court Press Podcast. I'm John Niatawa. He is Chris Hetty. Basketball's back. It is officially back. Right. You actually got to see live basketball. Yeah. It didn't count for anything, but I got to see it. Yeah, first impressions. Yeah. First impressions. What do you think? Nebraska played Doan. They did. Won by a lot. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure you have some takeaways. Yeah, I do. Even though they may not stick because it's an exhibition. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, it was the, the whole night felt... It was interesting. It was like, okay, do I take this super seriously as like this is Fred Hoiberg's inauguration into Nebraska basketball or do I leave that for Tuesday when it matters? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like a test run of a car. So it was like you're driving it around the track and you kind of feel like you know what it is, but you don't really know how to drive that car until you're like on the highway, like out in the open roads. It's kind of what it felt like. Um, but here, here were my here are my takeaways. I Ooh. circled them with the box score, okay? I like it. So... They won 91-63, which on paper, not bad. You know, yeah. that's fine. Um, here's the problem, though. They went 8 for 28 from three-point range, which is 28%. They shot 11 for 24 from the free-throw line, which is uh, 50, excuse me, 45%. And they scored 54 points in the paint, and that's basically why they won. Um, they might score 50 point, 54 points in the paint in the big 10 in total <laughs> it will be that so bad. like it, this ain't quite what you yeah. want you know right. what i mean um they're, they're gonna pre- be a perimeter oriented team and to right think that they're gonna be able to win games by in the paint right yeah so that, that, so part of it was just like you're playing Doan. like you're bigger than Doan, and you're not gonna be bigger than a lot of teams and the guards uh, are quicker so they can get downhill and right get to the paint right exactly because yeah. you don't necessarily i mean you can score in the paint with big guys, obviously, yeah. but you can also score in the paint with your guards. Right, and and some of this is also kind of fast break stuff. Oh. Um, I, I the the so though it was some discouraging elements because it was like this isn't quite what you want to see, but the encouraging elements, if you look at the shot chart, all but three shots were either in the paint or three pointers, which is ideal, ideal, ideal. That's exactly what you want. So, the discipline of making sure you're not taking jumpers mid-range jumpers is definitely it's definitely you know been ingrained in this team to the point where you know deshaun burke hit a like a fadeaway 15 footer and uh fred hoiberg after the game said he he was pissed off that he made it because he was you know you don't want to encourage that um so i think in general general impressions i think that a lot of this season is just going to be them figuring out each other's habits you know what i mean and that's just something that you can't manufacture and that's just something that you're going to have. I mean there was a couple times when you know there was one play in particular where you know Mate Cavas is going down on a fast break and he's got Gervais Green for an alley-oop and you know Mate is from Seattle University last year. Gervais Green is from Western Nebraska Community College. They've been on the floor together for less than five months and Mate doesn't understand yet that Gervais wants that high so he can throw it down because he's got a large vertical and he can throw it down what Mate does is he kind of tries to throw a bounce pass between some guys to get it for like a layup and it hits off Gervais leg and it goes out of bounds like just those small things show me like this is just a team that's gonna they're gonna figure out on on like during throughout the whole season you know what I mean um so in general I thought they looked pretty good there's definitely some red flags there was at one point when Nebraska was only out rebounding Doan by like five mm-hmm. most of the game it was kind of there um that's going to be an issue but overall i mean they won um 
Cam Mack had a good game. He had eight assists, five points, and seven rebounds, which we're going to see a lot of those types of games, I think, with him. Nebraska, I, I can't remember what the stat is. They, I don't think they've ever had a triple-double player with a triple-double, and he'll get that you think before so? the new year. Cam Mack? Yeah. That's a, that's a bold prediction. We're yeah, going to do some predictions you. later. That's a bold one. I bet you. He got eight, five, and seven in 22 minutes. Right. He'll play 32 minutes at some point in some I'll, game. I'll just add some perspective. There were 29 triple I looked this up because I saw this yeah. on Twitter a lot last night about Cam Mack's triple-double pursuit. Nothing. I haven't seen him play, so I can't really. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how good he is. Yeah. Uh, but there were 29 last year in, in, in Division One and five by high major players. Ja had three. John Morant. Did he? he yeah, that's right. He did, yeah. Well, here's uh, the deal. Ethan he, Happ had two. Here, here's going to be Cam's problem is is actually the points. That's going to, which is rare, mm. right? Like usually yeah. you go points, yeah. rebounds, or points, whatever. I think, I think he'll, uh, I think he'll, I think he had, how many did he have last year in Juco? I think he had seven triple doubles. It's last hard. Year. I mean, you got to play a lot of minutes yeah. first off. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. obviously you got to hunt rebounds. Yeah. And, like I said, think he could do it against like a North Dakota. Mm. That's what I mean. Like I don't think he'll. I don't. I. I would be surprised if he did it in Big Ten play. Um, but that. I mean, that was pretty encouraging. Um, Sean Burke led him with 15 points. Um, we'll talk about him later. Um, Thor had a pretty good game. 10 points and four boards. He had a nice moment where he, when he checked in for the first I time. I tweet that. That's awesome. All the, the crowd was kind of like, hey, yeah, like that's kind of our guy. And I was like, like the only guy that we remember. Yeah, and hey, it was no, like, no, oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Like, um, so, that, so that was nice. Kevin Cross actually had a really good game. So he's down he's down 20 pounds since he got onto campus. And so he had, he had 10 and 10. He surprised me a little bit because he's able to run fast break a lot better than I thought he'd be able to. Like he can actually get out and go. Um, so a lot of encouraging things. Um, I think Fred Fred said after the game, the last two weeks they've improved dramatically. They feel really good about stuff. Um, but the real the real season begins on Tuesday, so we'll kind of see um, what they can get done in the actual season. This was kind of like a cool week for Nebraska basketball because like you got the exhibition mm-hmm. to sort of with your own eyes as fans as reporters kind of get a sense of what the team is but you also kind of got that behind the scenes look with the documentary that mm-hmm. was released on monday mm-hmm. um which kind of gave that was more about like personalities and i mean i thought there was a lot of fun there but mm-hmm. i guess this like the, you you wrote like 10 takeaways and different observations that you made but to me one of the i think one of the biggest things that stuck out to me was like the demeanor of fred hoiberg mm-hmm. and in what he, way the intensity Sure, like the way that he, um, you can, it's almost like you can see it sort of emanating off. Like, it's not rage, but it's just sort of laser focus. Yep. And like he's in the locker room, kind of giving the pep talks, or and he's just to the point and saying like, you know, this is not acceptable, or we're going to do this, this, and this, and we're going to win. And when we do this, we're awesome. Yeah. You know that kind of thing. I, 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 uh, I have to imagine that that will over time resonate really well with this program mm-hmm. and it'll change it'll reshape sort of how things are done um on a day-to-day yeah and um obviously i'm just making a loose observation no but that, but, but, like but it's that, but it's not i mean but you're you're spot on because he is um and it, but and the other thing i was going to add yeah is that it like that it does his that it doesn't trickle down overnight so it may he may not be vibing with the guys in that way Next week, yeah, where he's kind of ready, sharp, locked in, and the guys are kind of like not there, yeah, not on the same wavelength yet. But like by January, 
next season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you're going to see a team that carries itself like that. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. It's 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 fascinating. I mean, it's a good point. It's a fascinating dynamic. I think because when I went and got lunch with Doc Sadler a couple weeks ago, one thing he said about Fred was, you know. Fred is if it, if it tips at seven, Fred's ready to go at one. Yeah. He's re- he's ready for tip now at one o'clock when he's eating lunch. Right. And you know, Fred Hoiberg is a guy who, you know, he was a he was a great player in college, and that requires a lot of focus. He played as a true freshman, played scored an an incredibly important bucket as a true freshman in his hometown. Um, he played ten years in the NBA. He co- he's coached in the NBA. Like he is somebody who. I think in some ways approaches every single game, even though he's the coach as a player, as an NBA player, as like, this is what I need to do. This is the small details that we have to do. And I, I, th- I think I've probably brought it up on this uh, podcast before, but one of my initial main takeaways is before he was even hired, I was looking through, just doing one of those, like just search his name on YouTube and just kind of see what comes up and kind of get a feel for who he is. They beat North Carolina and then still be tournament. He walks in the locker room, very slowly walks around, gives everyone a soft high five, takes the uh, box score, goes to the front of the room and just starts talking about the box score and talking about what we did and this and that. Doesn't come in and like isn't, you know, immediately jumping around, like isn't getting poured on with water, you know, you don't you have that great video of Roy Williams like walking in, yeah. you know, like and then like yeah, 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 yeah. Like Fred isn't a dancer, isn't a singer. Like he is so like it's so professional. Everything he does is so like calculated in a way. And so you've got that dynamic where it's so serious and you're so focused and all this stuff. But the other thing that you always hear about Fred Hoiberg is his players play with a supreme confidence. Like they are he wants them to be who they are. He wants them to play um like they he wants them to approach the game where then when they sit on the floor, they're the best player out there. And that's something that I think helps when you've got Cam Mack, Deshaun Burke, Gervais Green, Samari Curtis. Those are four guys who I think if you ask them, they'd say they're the best guard on the team. But they have to four get along, and they have to four find their roles. And so he has a, he has created a way where you are focused, but you're confident, and you know what you're going to do. And you know that kind of creates a mentally tough team, I think. And that's one thing that his Iowa State teams are always good at, and one team that this team, one thing that this team is working on. But like they were down ten to two to Doan early. You know they, um, you know they they were they didn't start out very well in a lot of games in Italy, and were able to kind of respond. Now, what happens when they're down fifteen to two at home or on the road to Michigan State or Iowa or whatever? Like that's when you really learn stuff. But he has. It's a good takeaway from the documentary. Yeah, is he is so. Like just very very professional, and then he's surrounded by you know Doc Sadler. Like, who is I, I don't want to say goofballs, but like yeah. they, they are they do embrace the fun, and even some of his yeah. players do as well. Yeah, it's just kind of like yeah. they're they're willing to have a good time, mm-hmm. and then it's like the stoic, uh, down to business coach. Yeah, and I I would imagine that that sort of you know it's it's obviously you got to have both, mm-hmm. you know, or else you're going to drive yourself insane. Mm-hmm. But um he'll ultimately be the tone center, especially in like when it matters in games mm-hmm. and stuff. So I think that's and it's interesting too, because I think if you, if you watch him on the sideline, he's not really, he doesn't really say a lot when he's coaching, like during play. So a lot of teams will be yelling, hey, stance, get down, like, hey, watch this, or like they'll be really, I mean, there are a couple times 
I mean, you can watch, uh, you could watch Tim Miles, and he would be freaking out. Not, not that that's, There's just like, two different ways to do it. I think uh, isn't Tom Crean kind of uh, Tom Crean is in Indiana. He was like in a stance. Yes. On the court. Yes. I mean, he's like ready to go. Yeah. Like he wants to like put me in. Oh, he, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna. Crean paces. That's what he does too. He yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, a, which, by the way, there was a what was the. The Kentucky Indiana game when they hit the game winner yeah. against Kentucky and yeah, he just stoically just walked right just just turned around went to go shake cup I mean it was just a he has such a presence right with Fred he is on the sideline hands on his hips watching and there are so many gears turning in his head he has thirteen I don't know I would be curious do you know how many plays Greg McDermott has in his playbook I don't actually I was just talking with this about this because what the number is thirteen hundred yeah. yeah and I was I was just kind of like it was one of those things where it's like I'm kind of curious just kind of see but the thing is is he's he said you know on Monday um, he was like yeah you know we put in you know a play today and it's got six subsets of whatever well, here we can do this and this and this and in my head I was like I wonder how many he has and so what he's doing when he's on the sideline is he's thinking like all right. This is what they're doing. This is what we need to be doing. Like he's focused on. Like he's just. There's gears are running, right. and then it's interesting too because whenever they call a timeout or there's a TV timeout, so Doc is the first one that gets the players. He so he gets them first, gives them like ten or fifteen seconds of defense, and then Fred comes in. And so it's always. I just feel like the g- general setup is like it's fun and games. Everything is great, but once Fred walks into the room, you're locked. Like right. it's 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 go time. You know what I mean. Yeah, the doc was fun. I, I thought it was yeah. good. You, I mean, if you if you uh, if you missed it or even if you saw it, check out Chris's write up on it because I, I you, you pointed out a few of the things that I thought were uh, charming and yeah. you know kind of unique to each individual, which um, you know we don't get that picture very often, or at mm-hmm. least that in like behind the scenes view of personalities and kind of the structure of the team. So that was cool. Yeah, kudos to BTN. What? Yeah, what, I was I was glad that they did it. it it's <clears throat> it was a really smart move. I, I initially. I wonder, and I haven't talked to the guy who who shot it. Um, I wonder if they were going to do this with Tim Miles, no matter what, because Tim is great TV. Yeah. And then they kind of stumbled on like, oh, this is perfect. We'll get this even more, you know, interesting documentary about you know Fred and his first team and whatnot. Um, but BTN, I think, did a really good job, and they should just show that in the Hawks lobby for on a loop for 24 hours a day. Like it's just a recruiting machine, especially the first like five minutes, all these slow dramatic shots of, you know, the practice court and of PBA and all these dramatic shots of Fred Hoiberg. Like, it's just like, it's a cinematic, you know, it's just perfect. And so it's going to be great for Nebraska recruiting. I think. Right. It's funny when you watch it and they did, they, they talked about it at the start about like the history and what Nebraska hasn't done. Mm. But as you're watching it, you don't, you kind of like forget. Yeah. And you're sort of consumed. You by, also, uh, oh, this is just an, another basketball program, and like you, you kind of forget the history that like it doesn't. Yeah, this this is totally di- like this could be totally different. I guess it seeing Fred on on the bench is a little surreal too. Because he made mention of that after the game, didn't he? Of just like well, someone there. asked him about. Um, about his grandfather, Jerry Bush, who coached in the fifties and was the coach that beat um, Wilt Chamberlain. Um, they asked, did you, know, did you think about him when you walked out, into the, out, of the, out of the locker room? And he said, yeah, I, I definitely did. But it's just this, it's these two competing ideas whenever you just look at him on the bench for a minute. And it's this idea of like Nebraska basketball and the history of that. And they've never been good, never won in somebody tournament game, like all this really sad, tra- tragic, it's sports, but you know, tragic yeah. history mm-hmm. combined with 
who Fred Hoiberg is as a coach, what he represents in terms of basketball prowess, what he has done in the past, like combining. And it's just a weird, you know, I talked to some fans about it for um, like a preview story and, and they kind of said the same thing of just like, it's weird to see him here. Like, I can't believe it's actually real. You yeah. know, it's just, a, it's a really interesting time. Let's switch gears a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I cover Creighton obviously. And, and uh, I guess the big news over the last week or so, the Jays, the Jays haven't played an exhibition game. They scrimmaged against Missouri a week ago, but um, they'll debut their 2019-20 team on Friday. Mm-hmm. So we're recording this on a Thursday. So we haven't seen them in action yet, but I've been to practices and, and kind of have a sense of what they're going to be. But the big news is that Jacob Epperson is hurt. He mm-hmm. broke a bone in his leg, and he's going to be out for months. And uh, he was one of three big men mm-hmm. that the Jays were going to rely on to sort of replicate, I guess is the best way, replicate the production of Martin Crumple. Toward the end of the year, Martin was basically playing – I don't know. I guess I'd have to look it up, but it felt like 30 minutes a game. Yeah, he was their go-to guy at the five. He ended up finishing in the top 10 in the Big East during Big East play alone. Um, he finished top 10 in points, rebounds, steals, and blocks. Hmm. He did it. He did a lot for them, and uh, and you can't really measure the um, the impact he had on ball screens and the way that teams had to game plan for that. You know, he hedged hard and he's athletic and mm-hmm. uh, long and kind of pesky, and so he put opposing guards and binds that way too and so they were going to bring or they're going to use these three big men they brought in kelvin jones from idaho state as a grad transfer christian bishop is a sophomore and jacob epperson is like a three-man sort of um martine yeah they did they do different things they don't that no no one really replicate replicates his game exactly but they can kind of meld it together and depending on the opponent and the matchup they could kind of find all right We'll use this guy more, mm-hmm. and uh, and he'll fit what we need. But now Epperson's out, and so um, it's a big blow. Like it's huge. It, it, suddenly, suddenly the Jays are down to two big men, and then when you when you like, really dig into it, you're like, okay, Kelvin Jones is a new player mm-hmm. who hasn't played at this level before, and he's still learning a lot. Like just watching him sort of like absorb everything that they're trying to teach him on the practice floor. And Coach McDermott said it the other day. He's like. You know, you're going to see a player who makes mistakes. He's playing hard. He's working mm-hmm. hard. He's embracing that part of it. But um, hopefully, I think their idea is like the November version of Kelvin Jones will be different than February. Sure. And you'll yeah, see yeah. that growth process, and yeah. it might be a little maddening for fans to yeah. watch because you're like, what is he doing? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but he's learning. And so you have that piece, and then you have Christian Bishop, who um, was a point guard in high school. And yeah. then a wing. He was a point guard to start, then a wing because he, he uh, grew to 6'7", but now he's a 5. Yeah. So, like, it's not ideal. Yeah. Um, but as I wrote in a, in a write-up last week, this team was always going to be backcourt-centered, and it was always going to be about their guards and their ability to get up and down the floor and drain threes and kind of dictate tempo with their speed and quickness and athleticism in the backcourt. And so... If uh, if I mean, it 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 does sting to lose Jacob Epperson, and, and it, it decreases maybe the likelihood that Creighton will reach that ceiling. But I don't think it necessarily his absence lowers the ceiling. Yeah, I think they can still get to where they want to go. Do you, do you think though it, that like it shifts even more, not pressure, but importance on you know Tyshawn Alexander, Mitch Ballard, just the guards in general yeah. that they have to play almost maybe even a little bit better. Right, and I think it's more it's it's less about what they do scoring wise. It's almost like 
more important that they defend better. Sure. And yeah. that they're locked in and helping one another and playing that, you know, helping recover man-to-man defense the right way, um, following the scouting report, doing the little things, playing hard, diving after loose balls, mm-hmm. crashing the glass. I mean, it's going to have to be a collective effort. All five guys kind of grabbing rebounds and uh, and keeping opponents who are probably going to be longer and maybe more athletic, certainly taller, mm-hmm. off the glass. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's some four men, even some three men in the league that they're going to face who – uh, they might be boxed out by a six-one or Mar- Marcus Zagorowski. Yeah, yeah. And he's got to find a way to keep that guy off the glass. Um, so that I think that piece of it is is important. I mean, yeah, they got to they got to score yeah. certainly, but I think they're gonna, I think they're going to do that. I think sure. I think that they have that in them, and they've they've done enough and shown enough. Um, being that whole collective group, one year older, like they that'll that'll. That'll be on display. Davion Mintz is out. He's he's got a high ankle sprain, so he'll miss Friday's exhibition and he'll miss a few weeks at the start of the season. But when you watch him, and I think I said this on the last podcast, him and and Marcus Zagorowski, Tyshawn and and Mitch, those four, they played like a quarter of Creighton's minutes last year. Those four were on the floor. Hmm. So they have so much you can just see the continuity and chemistry that they was have it with was them. it were you talking about when Davion Mintz hit Mitch Balk in the yeah, corner we before he was even the there. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that there's that relationship, and so that'll show up, no doubt, mm-hmm. on offense. But the question is, now, how do how do you how do you? Um, it, it's kind of always that conversation of, can you be good enough at what you're what you want to be good at, so that you mask some of your weaknesses? Yes. And so that um, that that is a question. I had a long not to make this about Nebraska, but I had a long conversation with a couple people about that last last night because i think maybe not as dramatic as creighton but nebraska is gonna this whole season is like all right let's answer the question of can you go fast enough to get over the fact that you're not very big and you're not gonna be able to rebound you know what i mean i do think creighton will be able to rebound a little bit well better than nebraska can you know what i mean i mean they they have traditionally even smaller having smaller lineups yeah they're pretty good on the defensive glass they're not they definitely most most years have not really made an effort on the offensive glass, but mm-hmm. they've been pretty good defense. They weren't great last year as a defensive rebounding team, but under McDermott, they have been. Um, and they have a guy like Damian Jefferson mm-hmm. who could grab six rebounds a game at, at the four position or something. Or Mitch Ballack, you know, he could up his rebound percentage and so could Tyshawn Alexander. So they have the capability. Mm-hmm. But you got to actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's such a mentality thing, I think. Um, to go get the glass, to yeah. go to the glass, and to be sort of more, you know, when you're boxing out, how often do you see fouls called on box outs? Right. But it's so it's such a physical moment in the game. Yeah. That play of like putting a body on somebody and trying to um, shield them from getting to the glass. So it's almost it's not almost anything goes because there are actually art. There's sometimes there's fouls called, but like for the most part, you got you just got to be tougher, mm-hmm. and then you got to go get it. Mm-hmm. And so um, they've worked on it, but now they gotta. We'll see. Is that, that is I, that the main thing you're looking at for the exhibition on Friday? Um, yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at just like an overall level of engagement mm-hmm. from the team on the defensive end because yeah. for a lot of the reasons that we talked about, I think that the the, uh, the there's going to be just a larger sort of emphasis on some of these veterans who've been in it before to not have mental mistakes and to I mean because if you're really solid, I think that's their hope is that they can just be solid Mm -hmm. fundamentally sound on defense Mm -hmm. yeah they're going to play a guy like miles powell and it's going to be hard to slow him down Uh, you know they're going to play good players who are going to 
Um, they're going to get buckets against them. They're not going to be an elite team defensively, but they want to be elite offensively. So you you match elite level yeah. production offensively with a with a solid defense that can get a stop when you need it. Then, Just be good enough. Right. Yeah, then you're be okay. good enough on defense. Right. Yeah, that that. But we don't know that yet. Right. Yeah. So the coaches were encouraged after the scrimmage about Creighton's level of fight and effort and kind of connectivity defensively against Missouri. Well, Missouri was like picked thirteenth in the SEC though, mm-hmm. and you know that team is well i think we'll play with a level of intensity and it had some length to that creighton couldn't replicate in practice um a true barometer will be michigan in a couple weeks mm-hmm. so we'll we'll try to catch a glimpse where is that game at michigan oh okay so we'll try to catch a glimpse on friday and make some observations and mm-hmm. tuesday too when they open against kennesaw state but really um you know that toughness piece and can you stay engaged when shots aren't falling mm-hmm. like when you're a you go five trips down the floor offensively and you don't score. Mm-hmm. Then what? Like, yeah. are you still engaged like, on the defensive yeah, end? Right? Yeah. And they had issues with that last year. Mm-hmm. I thought they did. I, I think they would. I think they would argue that they were better at it. Uh, the players would toward the end of the year, and you saw the numbers kind of shift a little bit in terms of the points per possession that they allowed later in the year. They kind of won some games with their defense at the end of the year, like Marquette. Um, now there's some sloppiness from Marquette, but they went up there and won. And it was largely because of their defense. Um, so, but can it be a, like a consistent, can it be part of their identity? Yeah. That level of engagement and focus to where they're just, they are a sound defensive team. Mm-hmm. Maybe, again, not necessarily wowing you. Yeah, you don't have to be great. Right. Just, just be good enough where right. even if it's 91 to 87, mm-hmm. that you can get two stops at the end of the right. game and you can, you know, free throw it out, right. you know? So it'll be interesting. I'm kind of curious to see what kind of lineup they throw out there to start. I, my guess is that you'll see, because, again, Mintz is out. So my guess is you'll see Marcus Zagorowski, Mitch Ballack, Tyshawn Alexander, Damian Jefferson, who's been a little banged up in practice, but I would imagine he starts at the four, and then Christian Bishop. Mm-hmm. So those are your five that Creighton's starting the season with. As And, you know, once Mintz comes back, then he's in, he might start. And uh, it, or maybe it depends on matchups. But mm-hmm. that's your five. With like, first off the bench being, hmm. I was gonna say Kel- like maybe Kelvin Jones. Is I, the I was gonna say how deep do you think? Say let's say everything is equal and they're not Jacob Epstein. Obviously he's he's out for. He's but out. like in say in like three weeks, right? How deep do how deep could they go if everybody's healthy? Well, they could go very. I mean, one, Denzel Mahoney's a transfer from Southeast Missouri, and you know he's not eligible until December. So mm-hmm. once we once yeah. we get December, if everybody's healthy. Mm-hmm. They could, they could be, they could be pretty deep, but uh, initially, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I think that the, the starters are going to be logging a lot of minutes. Yeah, uh, the, the, you know, Sharif Mitchell and Jalen Windham will be two guys that I think will play a role. Like I think they're going to have um, their freshmen. They weren't highly regarded, but I think that they do. Like Jalen Windham has a scorer's mentality, and he does that well. Mm-hmm. And Sharif Mitchell is a quick sort of fearless ball handler gets into traffic and uh spray and create a bucket for himself uh get to the foul line and then on defense he's tenacious mm-hmm. um so they do they have like they found their niche already it seems and so they might they're, they're like they have a chance to to find a role so yeah it'll be uh i'm i'm, I'm kind of curious as to how greg mcdermott uses his rotations and how he kind of substitutes in and out with the lineups that yeah or, or with the roster that he has available right now well he's got to beat fred fred beat uh fred 
subbed in nine guys in the first I think four, I think five minutes. Oh really? Just everyone play. <laughs> it was like I was like trying to keep track of subs, and I was like, you know what? I quit. <laughs> like this is this is un and then Don't actually was doing the same thing. But I'm but the thing that I I think exhibitions are such a I don't know if I don't know if we undervalue them but they're so valuable especially like for for creighton and for nebraska but right. for creighton even on friday let's just figure out like what these guys look like you know let's figure out all right can we throw in sharif mitchell let's just see let's just give him four minutes and just see what he does you know what i mean like it's i'll be curious kind of what the takeaways are yeah yeah I, and and i think they have a decent idea but you never quite know until until the lights come on right yeah uh let's do some predictions real quick okay um i'm gonna i I guess I'll predict. I'll do some things for Creighton, and you do some things for Nebraska. Okay. Let's, let's start with Nebraska. What do you got? How are they? Uh, what do you All right. So, finishing? what's their record? What do you? I had them um, in my preseason poll. I have them twelfth in the conference. Um, I have them above Minnesota. Minnesota is the same team that they're losing some serious players, and Amir Coffey and Jordan Murphy. I think those are two guys that. I mean, Minnesota has a couple guys. Um, that I like, but I'm not completely convinced that Richard Pitino's the guy up there. And um, they went to Italy and didn't look good. And I just have a feeling that that could be a bad situation this year. I could be wrong about that, but I don't. I don't think they're going to be that great. Um, and then Northwestern, who basically everybody left, and it's going to be a sad time there. Um, so I've got Nebraska above them, I think just behind Rutgers. Rutgers just has a couple returners, a and they're huge. Yeah, they, I mean, they're yeah, pretty good. Um, so I got them at 12th. Uh, for, for historical perspective, in Fred Hoiberg's first year at Iowa State, they finished last in the Big 12. Um, they went 16-16, and 16, um, and I think they had three conference wins. Mm. Um, and uh, so... Wouldn't be surprised if that was kind of a similar. The thing, thing about the Big Ten this year is it seems like it lost a lot, but there's just a lot of. I feel like I've said I say this every year with the league. Like there's just so much depth in the middle. I mean, like there's a lot of yeah, solid quality, and it's teams. different. But the thing is, is this year it's different depth. So like Illinois is going to be really good. I think yeah. Penn State could be really good. Um, I think Iowa could be really good. Schedule, you think, like, okay, chalk those up. And we, yeah. yeah, but you can't quite. Exactly. And then are you really going to expect uh, a team like Ohio? Well, Ohio State's going to be better. But yeah, like, I think they're way better. A team good. like Michigan, even though they lost their coach and yeah. some players, like how far would Michigan drop? Yeah. Or how far does Wisconsin drop when it's lost Ethan Happ? Or yeah. Purdue lost Carson Edwards? Like, Sure, maybe those teams won't be as good, but, but they like, won't be bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think so. I've got I've got them twelfth in the conference. Where do you have Where do you have Creighton in there? I've got Creighton uh, fourth. Oh, okay, fourth. Um, I my my so my logic was okay. Last year, look at last year's standings. Villanova and Marquette were the top two teams. Mm. Villanova and Marquette both got worse. Marquette lost two of its top three scores to transfer. Villanova lost its top two guys yeah. to the NBA. Now, Villanova has a lot of talent. It's young talent. Um, so maybe you can make the argument by February they're better than they were a year ago, the Wildcats. But right now, I like just looking at it, I don't, I don't see it. So yeah. Marquette, uh, and, then, and then you have, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four teams that tied for third. Yeah. And I think all of those four teams, Creighton in that mix, are going to be better. So to me, the league looks like a, uh, I mean, it, it looks like it's going to be uh, kind of almost a, a similar replication of, of last year where 
there's not much difference from team one to team 10. Yeah. I don't know if there's an elite team. I don't know if there's a garbage team. Yeah. Um, so it's it kind of makes it tough to predict like who you think or how you think it. I mean, there's going to be a lot of ties. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of uh, in the final standings, you know, like it, there's going to be, I'm sure there's going to be a three way tie for third and like a four way tie for seventh or, or, yeah. or sixth. Or something. It's like you know, a, like, it's like a bunch of nine seeds. That's what it, that's what it feels It's just like. a bunch of nine seeds. Right. And yeah. last year, so last year it kind of felt like a bunch of NIT teams. Yes. So okay. This I, year, yes. That's good. This year it kind of feels like a bunch of nine seeds. Yeah. And, uh, it's basically an eight, nine game every night. <laughs> um, and the, now the question is, is how much, how fast can Jay Wright sort of groom his youngsters? And then is Seton Hall going to match the expectations that a lot of people have for him? They're picked, they were picked to win by the coaches, picked to win the league and they're picked 12th, uh, in the AP preseason poll. I don't know if they're that good. Yeah. I don't, I was, I was a little surprised because, because they came and played at Nebraska yeah. last year. And I remember thinking like, Boy, this Miles Powell guy is the real deal. But they had some dudes, yes. and I was like, "This looks pretty good." But Nebraska beat them by like fifteen or twenty, yeah, and so I was like, "They're they're all right. Like I think they're pretty good." And then you go from a year, and they're picked to win, and it was like, "I don't." Right. It's a little. And if you kind of like look at their schedule, a lot of this had to do with Miles Powell. But like Seton Hall was trailing late against Creighton twice and came back to win. Mm -hmm. uh, it was down big against Marquette and came back to win. It, it won a game with a bad call against St. John's. I mean, they're. It, it finished nine and nine in league play, but you could easily just sort of like yeah. finagle with it, and you're like, oh, you know, they don't make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and now we're saying like they're going to win it, so I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, Creighton's going to Creighton's bringing back as much as any other team. I don't, I, I, I know the coaches picked them seventh, but in my mind, like, you know, the the Jays are returning. Uh, like everyone is in a similar boat. Like I mm -hmm. guess I guess you're kind of just betting on who, which coaching staff can develop their pieces better because it, it does feel like, um, aside from the teams that I mentioned at the top, Marquette and Villanova, like everyone is going to get better. Yeah, because they're bringing back 75, 80, 85 yeah. percent of the minutes. And, and so. it's a, yeah, it's that's interesting I, way I to put really it. I don't know how to predict it. Yeah, it's a, like, that's well, an interesting way to put it because I also because I totally agree with you and I almost feel like the Big Ten is just like a notch worse. And now that's even saying with Michigan State, they're the preseason number one. But like, I don't, I, Maryland is picked at number two. Like, I, think I think they're going to be, I think, yeah, like I think they're going to be good, but like they don't got, they don't have Bruno Fernando and he was a big deal know, and he I was, was good. I actually, and, like, you know what I mean? Like Purdue, I, like, I don't know. Though, I thought that Maryland was, a, if I had to pick a team that would most likely to disappoint, I was like, <laughs> I think it's Maryland. <laughs> And that's yeah, not to maybe. Say that they're yeah. going to be bad. Yeah, I just like top ten. For me. Yeah, I mean, that, they're seven overall. Yeah, yeah. They're se yeah. That was where I was like, I don't, I don't know. Right. Now I have that's like Maryland. For yeah. me, it was like Maryland and Seton Hall. I'm like, I, I mean, I get why. I you can totally make an argument for why they're there. We're Seton Hall in the preseason. Twelve. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm like, mm, yeah, feels high. Yeah, it feels a little high. <laughs> do you want to do um, leading score next? Yeah. Uh, give me what? what, what Overall what, record? Yeah. What do you think the record's gonna be? All right. So I did it. Fred Horvath was 500 in year one. 16 and 16 exactly. Can it get to 500 this year? I very quickly did a look through the schedule. I have him at 13 and 18, and but I'm gonna give or take two games, right? So I could see them being. 15 and what is that 15 and 17 mm. sorry no 15 and 15 is what it would be um 15 and 16 15 and 16 yeah i i could see them winning a game in the second half of the season that they have no business winning i could also see them 
going on a pretty long losing streak at some points and trying to figure out what's going on. I think this is going to be kind of a roller coaster grind of a season. Um, the reason why I was a little bit on the lower end, I think 16 and 16 as they went uh, at Iowa State. Part of that, you know, 20 league games is a lot. Well, and the other thing that kind you of, know what I mean. The other thing that kind of like stinks a little bit because or Nebraska obviously built its schedule to build some hype and confidence in the non-con. But then you throw two Big Ten games in, in the December. middle of that. Oh, so yeah. They're going, they got a, a road trip to Creighton, and uh, is the Georgia Tech game on the road? Yeah, it's in Atlanta. Okay, mm-hmm. and then the Cayman Islands tournament. Yep. So, like, like, those five games, you know, you can, you can be three and two out of that or yeah. something, you know, or maybe mm-hmm. you find a way to go four and one or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then, then it's like Indiana Purdue. Yeah. I mean, and which are so which are seven games? Yeah, that and are Indi- kind of like all toss ups. Yeah, they, they feel like they're all toss ups. Yeah, and Indiana, I don't think is going to be that good this year, um, but it's still a Big Ten. It's still first game Big Ten team in Bloomington. Yeah. You're going to get all these guys who have never played in a Big Ten game before, and you're going to Assembly Hall. Good luck. Right. And then you got to play Purdue, and Matt Harms is like about a foot taller than everybody like yeah. he's just huge i guess the so it's going to be that's right. the hard part so they'll they'll be underdogs and i don't know if if we if i just looked at it it's like those seven games cayman islands georgia tech creighton indiana purdue like they're underdogs in five of those or yeah. four of those i don't yeah. i i know the, the field isn't crazy strong in the cayman but there's still quality teams there yeah it kind of feels like every game's a toss-up in the cayman yeah i completely agree because yeah. uh, i have them going one and two in that but I could see them going two and one. Yeah. Like I could see them. You know what I mean? Like so that, that's a, why I've got to give or totally take two games. Out of the realm of possibility for them to have some success during that stretch, but mm-hmm. more than likely, it's it'll be kind of like a buzzkill yeah. a little bit. And I think yeah, thanks I, Big Ten for throwing two. Yeah, seriously. I I just think in general, they can they can get to five hundred, but I'm not gonna bank on it this second. Like I'm not. I'm a doubting Thomas. Like prove it to me. Mm-hmm. So if early on they they they're starting to look pretty good. Um, I just think it's, there's going to be some some roadblocks early, and it's going to kind of take them some time to figure some stuff out, and they have to figure out what it's like to lose by 30 in right. practice the next day. And then you guess, know, here's the other question: is like, would they are they going to get tripped up by one of these sort of quote unquote cupcake teams that they play? Right? You know, do they get the, do they shoot the cold incarn- against North the Dakota? Incarnate word, yeah, sort of, yeah. What, that would be uh, something, obviously. Yeah, so I've got them. Like I, to avoid. Yeah. 13 and 18 is what I've got right now. But, again, give or take two games, a good one. All right, so I have Creighton at 21 and 10. Um, a perfectly Creighton record. Right. I mean, last year there were 20 and 15 yeah. with the extra NIT games in there. So, or, yeah, 20 and 15, that's right. Um, oh, that's 20, 21 and 10, and then we'll see what happens in the Big East tournament. But I, to me, if they're that, I think they end up on the right side of the bubble. I think that sounds about right. 21 and 10. I, like I said, I don't, I, the Big East, I, 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 I kind of went through the schedule a little bit and said like 11 and 7 mm-hmm. um, for, for Creighton, but it's so, it's so close that um, a key injury for a couple weeks could drop you out of the, the hunt for an NCAA tournament berth because you'll lose two or three in a row and then mm-hmm. suddenly, you're on the wrong side of that logjam of teams that are in contention, and so. Do you uh, think Creighton fans be okay with twenty-one and ten? I don't know. Really if they go twenty-one and ten, what what do you think the feeling is? And I think if they make the NCAA tournament, people would be pretty. 
pleased with that. Mm-hmm. Um, what if they go 21-10 and they're a two seed in the NIT? Yeah, I don't think that that would happen, though, if they went 21-10. and 10. Yeah. Like, if they went 18 and... 13? 13, yeah. Then the, then the, that's then the NITs and like 18 and 13, that's we're talking about the difference of like when you're 21 and 10, yeah. like that means that you probably won a game at the buzzer. Um, you know, maybe you got fortunate at, down the stretch at one and mm-hmm. and maybe you caught a team on a bad night. And if you flip those, which is really easy to flip those, then you're you're off the bubble. So last yeah. year they were on the wrong side of the bubble. I think this year they'll be on the right side. Um, but not by much. Yeah. And like twenty one and ten, you think, oh yeah. I mean, their their schedule, uh, non con is 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 challenging, but it's not as challenging as last year. Last mm-hmm. year they were top thirty, I think, in overall strength of schedule. Maybe um, it was one of their more challenging schedules under Greg McDermott. This year they're going to play. You know, they're playing at Michigan. They've got uh, San Diego State and either Iowa or Texas Tech in Vegas, um, and they're going to play Arizona State and Oklahoma and Nebraska, but. Yeah, those are winnable games. I think all of, yeah. all of them. Cra- I mean, it's, Cra- it's tough to win all of them, but it, they're Crane could They could beat Michigan. I don't. I don't know about Michigan. I'm not in the. I'm not totally sold. I. I. I got. I think they have some guys, but eh, it's gonna be hard for John Hart first year. I think you would think. I think. I, I, think, I don't think, know what they're gonna look like. I don't know what they're gonna be. I think John Beeline consistently. I think there are there are a handful of coaches out there who take their talent level and they just coach it up so much higher. And I feel like John Beeline, all, was. Michigan was always better than they ever should have been. You know what I mean? Like they were always better than than. I heard I heard Beeline talking on a podcast where he was like, "But the thing is, like, better than they should have been in the eyes of everyone else. Mm-hmm. But in his eyes, like they were recruiting the players that they felt fit what they needed. Sure. Yeah, he yeah. talked about how you don't recruit, like you're not just hunting talent. You recruit." to fit a team mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. So like if you have your go-to score, you don't need to recruit another go-to score. Yeah. Like bring in a guy who fits the next piece mm-hmm. when you're putting this puzzle together. You don't need eight guys that look exactly the same or do everything this like they're the same player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes when you have to find a guy who fits a certain like niche, maybe he's not no one else is recruiting him. Yeah, yeah. So But we'll see I, but but I don't I don't know what Juwan Howard's thinking. Yeah, I don't know what Juwan Howard's thinking. Juwan's more of the flash. I think he's going to bring He's gonna oh be yeah, team. like he's oh yeah. He's uh, he's gonna he's gonna bring in some. He's gonna be it's gonna be one and done central in Michigan. I think. But this year, I don't know. I just think right. there's a transition year. Yeah, you got a, a national title pick. National a national title, title pick. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Oh, we, boy. we were gonna say who was gonna lead the team in scoring. You got it. Um, I got? I have Deshaun Burke. Deshaun Burke. I got yeah. Tyson Alexander. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. Uh, boy, okay. those are gonna be fun. And who, who? Yeah. Who's your national title pick? I don't know, man. Um. I really don't know. I I think. Are you on board with the Michigan State train? Kind of, but not really. Been preseason number one. That seems weird. I I kind of am. Um, I think I think. I don't know. Like I I think that they are, the best team in the Big Ten by far. Um, but I don't. I'm not totally convinced they're the best team in the country. But at the same time, I have a hard time, then thinking to myself like, all right, well, who's actually better? Yeah. Like is Duke. No, better. I'm not giving that to do. I, I, I'm, I'm a little bullish on Kansas because there's just so much going on. Um, It'll be pretty motivated. Yeah, and like there's there's no one really in in the SEC that that scares me. I like Kentucky. Yeah, but I also I, I don't like, always buy in on on Calipari I know, in terms team, of you know he has what I mean. Actually, he has sophomores now. You yeah, know, that's you true. Kind of like that. Yeah, the team. rare sophomore <laughs> for John Calipari. Uh, I like an older Calipari team. 
Yeah. Uh, that's Older? They're all like 19 hey, now hey. instead of 17. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I usually, I, I like yeah. Nintendo. I usually try and pick a team that they've got some senior leader, like like a Villanova. They've got some seniors. They have some talent. Like a Villanova. Yeah, talent. Past. Yeah, they got some talent early. So like, yeah. I mean, the, the other last... thing is, the other thing is, if I have on my team Cassius Winston, I feel like I'm gonna win every night. Yeah. And so I I feel pretty good if if Michigan State is the is the national title that wouldn't totally 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 surprise me because of Cassius Winston. Um, but I just want to see what they actually look like early, and I and we will because you know you've got the Champions Classic or whatever it's called when yeah. the top four teams play each other. Yep. Um, but and I also I I I you can't ever really um, overlook the North Carolinas of the world. So I don't know. We'll yeah, see. they got uh, maybe the best freshman in the country, mm-hmm. Cole Anthony. Like mm-hmm. I think that's the guy who everyone sort of pinpointed as like the must watch. Yeah. Of that class. Yeah. Um, who do you who are you thinking? I don't know. Have you done well, your Have it, you done your AP poll uh, yet? Oh, I actually not a voting this year. Are you not? So, yeah, you're uh, free. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm free. Uh, I, I like what you said about that mix of like young talent and mm-hmm. then veter- you need veterans to win a title. Yeah, and like Virginia had it. Um, yes, Villanova had it the two years it won at North Carolina. In between that, those two Villanova titles had it. Like that seems to be the formula. Um, but those those veterans got to be like really good, right? And, and, and that's so the who, thing is Michigan, like Michigan, Michigan State, State has that. Right? But then again, the preseason hype of it all, like that, the team doesn't, Michigan State doesn't seem to, I think of a, that team a couple years ago where they had uh, Jackson and Miles Bridges and they were kind of like destined to win it or, or at least make the Final Four and, and it crumbled in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Like, is those teams seem to be better when they're a little bit under the radar and, and yes like, I, oh i totally agree i totally agree hyped. yeah and the other thing is like okay think of the final four last year texas tech lost a lot i think chris beard is a just a fantastic coach i think that he could he will not be at texas tech very long i think he'll take over somewhere else but they lose a lot right auburn i haven't really looked a whole lot at auburn but that seemed they lost some, somewhat too. fluky in some ways, well, they had a, they had a weird roster. It's actually interesting. I made the note that Creighton, um, if you're if you want to be completely optimistic, I'm not saying Creighton's making the Final Four, but if you if you're thinking about how is Creighton going to manage this with like two big men, basically, mm-hmm. look at Auburn because last yeah. year they were now they had a little bit more commitment to the defensive end in terms of like being disruptive. They they forced a lot of turnovers, but they shot a ton of threes. They took care of the ball. Um, they they were terrible on the glass because they didn't have size, mm-hmm. and yet they still managed to make the tournament. And obviously, they made it to the final four. Yeah, um, largely because they made shots when they needed to. They yeah. just had dynamic guards. But sometimes with dynamic guards like that can that can that can propel you yeah. to a late March run. And so I was like, yeah, it it doesn't like they did. It was a little smoke and mirrors, as you said. But then again, it wasn't because. That formula would if it works, it works. Over, yeah, sometimes that that's yeah. how you get there. I mean, so, so that's the thing. Where so the so so then the other two are Virginia, who they're new, and Michigan State, and Michigan State returns like nearly everything. Right, so why would why so would, why would you not yeah. assume that they're going to do it? So I don't know. There's also going to be some random like Providence is going to be great, or some random you know. There's always some. I don't think Providence is going to be great, <laughs> but you know <laughs> what I mean. There's always some <laughs> random team that you don't think is going to be good. Like maybe Maryland really is that good. Yeah, maybe. Maybe Jalen Smith becomes you know player of the year, and they're and they're right tremendous. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I so I guess preseason pick, I'd probably pick Michigan State, but I, I don't know. feel I don't, I don't wanna, feel I don't super great about you, it. But like, I don't really have an argument against them. Yeah. 
other than the hype thing, which is kind of silly. So Right. I just, Cassius Winston plays like a 10-year-old NBA vet with bad knees and still scores like 20 and 10. So, like, I can, I'll, I'll go all in on that guy. Yeah. He's a gamer for sure. All right. If Nebraska and Creighton were to play today, who you got? Um, Creighton by like 12. Yeah. Creighton's not got a lot of depth, but in one game scenario, I'll take him as well by double digits. Uh, we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm. We'll actually have real games. Yeah. Real basketball to talk about. We'll break down Nebraska's home opener and Creighton's home opener. Both on Tuesday nights, correct? They're both playing Tuesday night, like everybody. Should be fun. We're back. All right. Thanks, Chris.